Welcome to the Talking Story Podcast, where we believe all of us can have a more purposeful and meaningful, and yes, an even more exciting life. Listen to inspiring stories about ordinary people who have done extraordinary things with their lives, through their hobbies, their passions, and their businesses. Join your hosts, father and daughter team, Bob and Kelsey, as they travel the world seeking out those whose stories inspire us to do things greater than what we imagined we could. Dad, I don't know about you, but do you ever feel like life can just be a little chaotic, out of control? (laughs) Yesterday, actually. (laughs) Do tell, do tell. (laughs) Oh my, it was a trip into Kona in which uh, we lost, my wife and I lost a a little important notebook that we had that has addresses and that sort of thing. And then after we finally found that, we lost our car keys. Oh, I think you guys was, were in Kona for like four hours. Well, yeah, it just it just the one place where we lost this grocery store. I think it was three and a half hours. Yeah, Ooh. almost four hours. You know, I think we all have days like that Ooh. where it's just like, can it get worse? Or just the busyness and everything that we have piled on our schedules just kind of weighs us down and it gets us uh, to where I don't think we feel that we can make a difference. It's just, we're trying to stay afloat yeah. in uh, a sense. Yeah. And uh, I, I, when I think about that, and I tell you too, my life the last couple of weeks has been crazy on the boat. It's our busy season during the Christmas time. And I just feel like I'm just trying to keep my head above water. And as I've been kind of processing like, okay, how can I still try to make a difference in people's lives? And how can I continue to do this moi moi, which is kind of my side hustle? Um, Obviously something I am so passionate about is helping people through the power of our dollar. Uh, I started to reflect on one of my other passions in my life. So work, I work on the water and I'm a boat captain, but my play is also out on the water. And that is that I love to kiteboard. And kiteboarding has been one of those, I don't know, it's just something I'm super proud of. I and love you're super doing. good at it. Oh, thank you. I think there needs to be more women kiters out there, but there's a lot and of- more old men like me, but I hey, can't seem to get it. <laughs> you're gonna get it one of these days. Oh. That's another story for another podcast. But anyways, as I was trying to reflect on myself kiteboarding and, and learning how to kiteboard, my instructor would tell me when the kite would get out of control. And I tell you, when you have this massive, large kite in the air and the wind is blowing and and you're just trying to survive and this kite is maybe swirling and going crazy, it's easy to just get fearful. And one of the things that as humans we tend to do is we pull this bar that's controlling the kite towards us. Well, what happens is when you pull the bar towards you, the kite gets crazier. It gets more out of control and in fact, it probably will fall into the water at some point. But I would do this all the time because I felt the more control I had was when the bar was closer to me, but that wasn't the case. And so my instructor over and over again would say, Kelsey, you gotta release the bar. Let go, release it. And once you let go the bar and you release the bar, the kite will stabilize. You'll on get, its own. On its own, you'll get control again. That's so opposite of what human nature does. It's like, no, 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 we wanna control things. The closer we have things, the tighter we grip things, 
the more control we feel, we feel better. But in fact, sometimes we have to release that bar and release the control. And so as I was reflecting on my past couple weeks, which have felt pretty out of control, I've just reminded myself of that lesson that I really felt like God taught me in, in that learning how to kiteboard of just releasing that bar, releasing control. And what does that have to do with the podcast today? Well, these two gentlemen that we're talking to, or you talked to in Colorado, yeah, Matt and Dr. Bentley. Dr. Bentley Tate and Matt Perkins. Right? Sounds like amazing guys. And what really stood out to me was they're busy men. Yes. And I think a lot of people can relate to the busyness and the out of control they feel in life because of the busyness. And that can be an excuse for many people of why they can't give back, why they can't serve the community, why they can't make a difference in the world. I have too much on my plate, too much is going on, I'm out of control, I just need to hold things closer. And when you do that, it just even feels more chaotic and things may happen that aren't good. But I wanna encourage the listener today is, as I heard Matt and Bentley's story, about just despite the many things they're doing, they're releasing the bar, and in that came this amazing nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And they're doing incredible things, and they're still busy, but it seems to me that they have true fulfillment in this nonprofit in which they started. And I probably need to take a little bit of introdu- more of an introduction because I kind of jump right in. So just briefly, uh, Dr. Bentley Tate is uh, a people isn't, doesn't have just his doctorate. He is a medical doctor, and he lives in Denver, and he works in Fort Morgan, which itself is a 82-mile drive one way, 164-mile wow. round trip just to go to work. So there's a busyness. He has a uh, side business up at Breckenridge, Colorado, which is a ski area and probably many other things. Uh, but he decided to start uh, this uh, nonprofit, which is going so well. And Matt Perkins. Matt is an educator and Matt is an assistant principal. And we, uh, my wife and I both know both of these fine gentlemen through the school where she used to be the principal. It's called Ambleside, Colorado. It is an Ambleside school, which is a, a school movement based on the teaching philosophy of Charlotte Mason. Uh, fabulous. That's, that's probably a, a broadcast someday down the road itself. But uh, without any further ado, I would like to introduce you to Matt and Bentley. So I'm in Littleton, Colorado with Dr. Bentley Tate and Matt Perkins to talk about Asia Heartbeat, the founding. And, uh, and again, this purpose of the podcast has always been about highlighting ordinary organizations doing extraordinary things or ordinary people doing extraordinary things. But these are two pretty extraordinary people doing extraordinary things, in my opinion, as well. So it's pretty fun. Now, I also have to say that we're probably something like 20 hours from what they are predicting to be 
a huge, huge snowstorm uh, to Colorado. Already, it has dropped up to two feet up in the ski areas of Colorado as it's making its way now to Denver and then down to Colorado Springs where I've been hanging out some. But anyways, you guys, it's so good uh, to have you here. And uh, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules and carving out this uh, Saturday morning block uh, so that we can talk. Um, Bentley, I want to start here with you. Um, as Kelsey and I have been interviewing ordinary people who are making that extraordinary difference, one of the common threads that we've noticed is that it seems to be that some of the busiest people on the planet are those who become even busier by launching an organization or an outreach that helps others. Now, you're a physician. You also have a business up in a ski area and probably more things that I even don't even know about. So I, when I think about it, I think you're not exactly prime candidate to launch anything because you're too busy to launch anything. But you did anyways. Uh, tell me how that came about. Well, thanks for talking with me, Bob. And it's a privilege to just tell you a little bit about Asia Heartbeat and how that came about. Now it's been uh, close to 20 years ago. Oh, early, I didn't see. I didn't yes, even realize that. Early 2000s. I first visited the country of Myanmar for many years from the late 1800s to late 1990s or late 1980s was called Burma. So a lot of people know it that way right next to Thailand and in between Bangladesh and Thailand. And I met up and got to know a physician and we realized we had some common interests. Strangely enough, it wasn't doing the exact same thing at the time, but it was a common place in the world. Uh, Myanmar was a place that we both saw as, I use the words, off the world's radar screen. Mm -hmm. First time I visited there in 2000, I got in a taxi cab in Singapore just to go to the hotel before flying home. And when the taxi cab driver learned I was had just been in Myanmar, his comment to me was, that's a dark place. Mm. And I don't think he was saying a spiritually dark place. I think it does have some that. aspects where that's true. But he kind of was saying, like, it's off our radar screen. And here we are in Singapore, just an hour and a half, two-hour flight away. So that was a burden to me to, to see if I could be of some help to a place that, that very few people in the world knew about because of it being so closed off for so many years. And I saw needs there that were not just being unaddressed, but people were just unaware. So along with uh, Dr. Bill Greiser, who lives in Lexington, Kentucky now, uh, we had met here in Colorado, we realized we both separately had, over a two or three year period of time, had a burden to see what we could do, even if it was in small ways, to come alongside, particularly nationals who were trying to do some things in a country that was not just very poor, but very forgotten. And so that's how it started in the early 2000s. So give our listeners an idea of what Asia Heartbeat has been doing. So it's been, there's so many things that you could possibly do. You could drill wells, you could provide medical care, you could do dental care, you, I mean, on and on and on, but you found your niche and explain them what that is. I, I think, first of all, just finding a niche that in large part was, was children. And when you get to, to countries that are less developed the less developed countries are, the harder their plight. It tends to be that the larger their population of young children is. And just life expectancy is different. And so there's just a lot of children that are, 
again, off the world's radar screen in Myanmar. So that was a burden to see how we might help there. And, uh, and some of our equal burden was to not be the ones who were doing all the work. And I'm not saying to be lazy, Bob, but more to, to come along wonderful, I mean, just downright impressive nationals, but who resource-wise or training-wise or sometimes just plain encouragement-wise were really lacking. And so we found ourselves coming alongside initially various children's homes was our focus to to lend support, not start them, but lend support to staff that were seeking to take care of children, their medical needs, their schooling needs. Some of us just plain their clothing and, and mm-hmm. food needs as well. So we called it comprehensive you know, care of children. Uh, but again, I want to emphasize it wasn't trying to go in there and start the, pro- the, the work, but come alongside and strengthen the effectiveness of people who are already there seeking to do it. Now, part of that work, too, with children is to help with educational needs. And Matt, I'm going to address this question to you. Um, you you're an educator, and you and your wife, Faith, spent a huge chunk of time this past summer, as I understanding, training up teachers in Myanmar to be even better teachers. Is that an accurate depiction? If so, tell us what you did, what was accomplished, what was Asia Heartbeat doing through the two of you? Yeah, no, thanks for the question. So about four years ago, Bentley, it was about at this time, actually, just over four years ago, I was up in the mountains with our family and he gives me a phone call and we were in the midst of uh, making some um, pretty deep introspective thoughts about our family and what's the future of our family and praying. And then Bentley had called and said, you know, Matt, I just returned from Africa and I just, my heart is so about missions. And I love the education system um, that my boys have been through that I'm currently teaching in. And and so he said, you know, we would love to be able to shift our focus in Myanmar to education. But I'm a doctor and that's not my gift. And uh, but you are an educator and I know you guys are praying about your future. So uh, I looked at Faith, who's wanted we both did mission work. And and so she jumped right and said, uh, I'm ready to do it. And I actually was the one who said, well, why don't we just take a few days to pray about this? And um, so, yeah, we jumped in. And so for the past three summers, as we've been there, our role has been to help with educators. So we've gone into multiple schools all over the country and we've worked with teachers, just giving them some ideas of how to teach effectively. Um, they don't have the education system we have here. They um, all these teachers grew up in a dictatorship, and so their education was really they memorize. They get a book, they memorize the book. And so these teachers now, they're trying to teach in a Western way, but they really didn't grow up with that. And so they have a hard time, um, really, what does it mean to educate a whole child? And so we have been employing much of our background um, as uh, in traditional education, as well as with this Charlotte Mason philosophy, and really trying to just give the teachers some some skills and and principles, just some encouragement. Honestly, a lot of it is about encouragement. When someone's willing to go halfway around the world and leave your four children behind, mm-hmm. four children. Catch that, listeners. Four children. <laughs> that is a big. Yeah. Um, f- for them, that's even a greater blessing, and sometimes than it is just giving them educational skills. 
So when you go to Myanmar three summers in a row, you and Faith, of course, it's a bit of vacation. This is five-star resorts, gourmet food every night, uh, interstate highways to get where you need to go. Room service all day long. (laughs) Room service. What is it really like? (laughs) Well, you know, there's some different things about it that actually surprised me. There are places where we have stayed that actually are fairly nice. And and because the country's policies and so forth, we actually do have to stay in hotels. We can't stay in people's homes, um, which sometimes we feel guilty about. But then after sweating in 90 degree, 100 degree heat and 100% humidity, we're like, well, maybe we should enjoy this. The AC sounds good. The AC, yeah. Um, But yeah, the conditions, you know, we've gone up into the mountains and uh, you know, these people have just great hearts to share the gospel with the students. And, and haven't I heard on roads where you kind of single lane roads with ruts like crazy and you look down and you're sometimes going like, ah, that's a drop off for hundreds of feet. Yeah, no, that's uh, I was just going to say something about that on one of the places where we've gone for uh, a number of years now. The roads are dangerous. And one time, in in fact, Bentley was there with his wife and their two teenage boys at the time. And uh, we had another team member, one of my friends from here was with us. And we were going up to this mountain road and uh, a mudslide was uh, approaching right. In, and, and we literally went around the mudslide and the road got shut off right after we went by. Um, but and you had to come back out or was this coming no, back? No, out? we had to come back out okay. still. And we were all sick at the point too. I think we were all ready to take a break. And so we did. Uh, but yeah. And so it, and then they have to clean up the roads and they don't have the same equipment we do. And so, um, but yeah, but you know, that's the life that they live every day. And yeah. and then we've done work in the larger city and there's places, you know, you feel like, wow, this looks like New York city. And then right next door, it's just the slums. Um, and then you drive a couple miles and you're just completely in places where they're just living in these tiny, um, you know, huts with uh, metal siding that they found corroded metal and, and they've got, um, tarps as roofs. And so it's just a very different world than what we're used to seeing here. I know Kelsey has used that starfish story a number of times that, you know, you pick up a starfish and throw it back and somebody says, yeah, it doesn't make a difference. You know, why are you doing that? And whatever. And then you just say, well, it makes a difference to this one starfish. And, uh, and you guys have hit many starfish. Uh, Bentley, what are you most, in 20 years, what are you most proud of as far as, and I know it's kind of like patting yourself on the back, and it's okay, actually, in this case. I just like to know, for what has is Asia Heartbeat accomplished that you're most proud of? This is something that, that I just feel so good about, you know? Well, you know, actually, that's not hard to talk about because I feel like, uh, if I'm honest, I'm deflecting attention from myself. So okay. it's actually not that hard to, to say probably what I am most proud of is furthering the passion and just drive of the great people I've met there. And certain faces, certain men and women in particular, ones that I'm closer to, uh, come to mind the most. Ones that um, I don't know if they necessarily, without me, would have given up, but they have said enough kind things to me over the years that I know somehow or another the good Lord has has given me a chance to to give them ideas at time, be a sounding board. Encourage them to persevere. Encourage them to, to persevere. My brief story that, that maybe most encourages me along those lines is just a fellow that started a music school that is thriving, mostly for, for those after high school. 
And of and, course, for our listeners, he's a fabulous pianist, Bentley is, in addition to being a physician, just a fabulous pianist. Okay. Well, and, and I remember sitting down with David and his wife, Nyang, as about 10 years ago, I was leaving the next day, and about halfway through just our meal, he put down his utensils and looked me in the eye, and he looked me and he said, at me and said, Dr. Bentley, after you leave, I'm good for four to six months. And I said, David, I'm... Don't know what you exactly. mean. Yeah, what do you mean by that? It was just kind of a funny thing to say. And he says, and he looked me in the eye over our meal, and he said, when you come here and you tell me you believe in me, when you come here and, and you look around and see what we've done since the last time you were here, and you just point out good things that, that somehow we've been able to do, when you tell me what's ahead is even better, and you give me reasons why that's the case, he says, after you leave, I can run for about four to six months on that. And I have to say, Bob, that was possibly the most single most encouraging thing I've ever been told in my life. But it really speaks to, to how sometimes ordinary people like Matt and I can be of help to someone else. And of course, them to us is, is just believing in someone else and having enough of a ongoing relationship, especially over years. I think that's some of the secret to whatever success we've had is just returning and building on the friendship and relationship part. That's also around good things, good works that are progressing. That, that's perhaps my, my highlight. Either of you can answer this question. Myanmar as a nation has, at least in my understanding, and you can push back if it's not, has been a bit hostile to Christianity, hostile to Christian workers, except for what I understand is kind of a small pocket that has more greater freedom up in the northern part of Myanmar. Um, is that correct? And if so, how did that northern pocket of more freedom happen in a country that's a bit hostile? I would say, Bob, that there's Myanmar is an, is an interesting place on many levels. And one of the reasons it's an interesting place, I know we think in America we're a melting pot, and, and we are. You know, experts could, could tell us and describe that, I'm sure, in, in long lectures. But what's interesting about Myanmar is that it's, it's, I don't know if I would call it a melting pot, is a bunch of different ingredients that have struggled to be put together into the melting pot. Mm. The Brits in the 20s, when they still had colonized the countries, I believe it was 1930 or so, that their estimate after a survey is there was 130 distinct languages in oh a my. country the size of about Texas. I didn't realize that. And so all those distinct people groups, and again, this isn't people groups that routinely spill over into other countries. Many of them are only in that that area. So here they are trying to all live together, very strong cultural uh, commitment to their people groups. Some of them are probably just uh, in the thousands and some of them are people groups that are into the millions, uh, but have really struggled in many ways to, to get along over the years. And so a lot of the hostility has not as much been focused on those from the outside. You know, sometimes when you're there, a tourist and you're spending money, they put up with you. Mm -hmm. But I would say that it has been much more towards their own people. And okay. so, so some of it has been cultural. Some of it has been, some of it has been Christianity, maybe a, maybe a little bit of a mixture where the majority Bamar people who run the country, they're about 60% of the country have, have had a pretty hostile relationship with many of the people groups. And some of them in particular, their Christianity has added to 
just decades of hostility that's that's there. Probably the the biggest area would be the Karen people that are in the eastern portion of the country, eastern, not northern. Okay, eastern and and that conflict continues to this day. And and a few years ago, I read the longest running civil war in the world is between the government, the Bamar people of Myanmar, and the Karen people along the the Burma, the Myanmar Thailand border. So um, up up north, some of it, I think people, the experts would probably say it's just isolated enough that sometimes you get left alone if you're just isolated enough, uh, the Kachin people up north. But I'd say there has been conflict at times even there as well. So it is a country uh, fraught with, with, uh, with conflict for many, many years. And Christianity has been part of that, but probably not the only factor in that. Matt, what would you like to see accomplished personally as you own the educational component of, of Heartbeat Asia? What would you like to see accomplished, let's say, in the next two years, the next three years, maybe even into the next 10 years? Lord willing, this is where I'd like to see it go. Yeah, no, along with the, uh, the education work and doing it in schools, we've also worked at uh, a seminary there in the last couple of years, and my wife has really been integral to that. And that has been, we've gone and trained them with, uh, to how to start a preschool and given them skills. We've had teachers come from all over the country. In fact, this last year, I think there were eight or nine. And we're talking about who came from, you know, 10, 12, 15 hours on buses, on roads that are not exactly pothole free. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, and then the seminary itself, the students were there and, and we just have spent time, uh, training them, giving them some skills to take back to their villages, many to unreached people groups in their villages, uh, where they can start a preschool. And so to answer your question, our vision and what we feel like, really not our vision, what we feel like the Lord has given us is just really a desire to um, not be the people to actually go and do the missionary work as far as we're evangelizing and we're in the small little villages where actually sometimes we're not even allowed to go. Um, but we're equipping the people there. Um, there's a great book, When Helping Hurts, and um, that we've both read a number of years ago. And we're, what it says is often that we go into countries with great hearts, but then we do everything for them. Mm. And then they just keep needing our help over and over and over. And so one of our you know, goals is to really equip them to do the work because they know their people. And they have the hearts for their people. I mean, we can say we have great hearts and try to talk humbly about it, but they're the ones with the hearts for the people. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, our vision in the next five, 10 years is that as we go, we're able to work with the schools, go into some of even these preschools of the people we've worked with. You know, this next summer, we're kind of looking at doing that Um, and just being able to really equip them to be leaders and so that they don't necessarily need us. Um, but that really they have the leaders there to do this and to really make a dramatic change in the school systems overall. Um, and, and, you know, many of these schools are full of Buddhist children um, that many of our listeners may not know this, but it's a very Buddhist country. And so these private schools even actually are themselves reaching out to these uh, Buddhist children and families because they have a strong desire to learn English. Mm. And so they're willing to send their children to a Christian school, knowing they're going to hear about Christ, being someone that maybe they don't agree with, but because they're, they lear- the they're learning English and they're learning a Western English or, or Western education. And so this opens doors that many other things don't, you know, that 
um, doors that haven't been opened before. And so that's, we just really want to allow the Lord to use this really in this right time, because we don't know what will happen in an unstable country. Anything can happen. Matt, think about somebody that you met, or maybe it's the, you met a previous year, but this past summer when you and Faith were there, and tell me about how that person's life has been changed because of Asia Heartbeat. Yeah, there's a number of people that are, have changed our lives as we've been there. Um, but one man who's, you know, Bentley will attest to this. Um, he, he and his wife run a school in the mountains of Tidim and just spending time with him. Um, his children actually have been here. They've been to Colorado, some of them, and we've met them. And um, his wife, we've spent time with her here as she came to just learn more. Um, but he, their vision and their heart for these children is just, you know, amazing. Um, we were able to help them get a bus recently or this past summer. Mm. And he didn't want a bus just so they can drive around town. Um, he wants a bus so that he can bring in children from away, far away villages who don't have the opportunity to go to school. He wants a bus to be able to take his students to places where they've never been able to be for, to see God's creation. And do they then stay there in that village till the end of the weekend and then go home, or do they go back home every night? Yeah, so there are some who do that, who stay there with people. There are some who do go, go back, and honestly, his vision is he'd love to create a dormitory area okay. um, to be able to do to house them you know, throughout the year. Um, but I say all that because even just a couple weeks ago, this is a 70-year-old man who probably to me is one of the, I'm starting to view him more as a mentor because we've interacted so much, even through email. And he emailed me, I think two weeks ago and said, Matt, will you please pray? I have a chance to uh, speak to a bunch of, go- of doctors who are having a get together. Um, I, it was a number of doctors from just around many villages were coming together. And he said, and I'm going to present the gospel. Hmm. And so just to know that I'm here, this, you know, almost 40-year-old man who's just been to Myanmar a few times, and this 70-year-old man who, you know, if the, if the world were like him, we would not be in a place that we are right now. And he's asking me to give prayer and support. So just the humbling reality of, you know, that what we're doing, what the Lord is doing through us is such an encouragement to those there. We have listeners right now that have a vision and have a dream and have a passion for something that they think they wonder if they should start, they, they should launch. Um, who knows what it might be? I don't even want to get into all the possibilities, but I know that's, that's happening. Um, but I know that there's listeners that are also inspired by this, you know, conversation we've been having, but they're thinking about their passion and thinking, I can't do it. it, it I don't have time. I'm a busy person. Kind of, we kind of address that, I think, a little bit. Oh, it's going to be expensive. I don't have any money. I don't know where I, how I would make it, it happen, and and I'm just afraid. <laughs> I just, I, there's this fear welling up inside of me. But I'd, I'd like to. What would you say if that person walked in this uh, little office that we're in right now and just said, "Talk to me in, in light of your experience." Uh, I think Bentley's probably a, a place to start with you. What, what would you tell this person that to put an arm around them to say it's okay? Well, Obama, I'd say that that when when you have a passion for something and and you see a need, um, you may find that that how you're most effective is uh, you know perhaps a bit bit like parenting, for instance. It's it's not a great weekend in the mountains with your son or daughter, and you 
got that done, you can move on. It, it's a, a process where if it's going to um, have some some real fruit in the future that, that you just are so glad that you got into it, you're probably going to do something over a period of time. And so one of the things I would encourage someone about is I've certainly seen in my own life that that a long-term investment, but perhaps in more modest doses of time or money or energy uh, does amount to something that that's pretty significant, you know, pretty important because uh, that's, that's what I've seen in my, in my own life. So, and there's been years over the last 20 years, I first went over to, to Myanmar and in, uh, in 2000 and uh, there's times when I was able to give more energy to it. Uh, and there's, there's been, you know, stretches where just raising a family and the busyness of life here has made it hard to do that. So I think one encouragement I'd say to people is, is I think that, some really wonderful things can happen if you get interested in something and and invest in it with the time that you are able to give to it over a period of time. Um, and I would say that in my own life, the things that I've found to be the most valuable have not been the things where I've done all the work. I'm there, you know, doing all all of what needs to be done to make it happen. I realize someone starting a business or things might say, well, there's a time when that's what it it was. I was doing all the work. But my point of that is more saying is the greatest resource I think out there for most of us to invest in is, is other people. Uh, And, and so as, as Matt's sharing uh, our, our desire and what we've just seen effective is to, to find good people, great people that are doing things and ask the question, how can I help, further what they're doing, particularly in, in difficult places, whether it's the inner city of, of a city in America or, or in a distant place like that. And uh, sometimes it doesn't take that much to make a significant difference in their motivation and ability to, to do things. So that might be at least some of what I've, I've, I've learned. Matt, if um, a listener wants to know more about uh, Heartbeat Asia through Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or a website, are any of those above available? And if so, tell people how they could. Uh, uh, obviously, there, we'll have some connections at moimoimarket.com. Um, but if they go straight to another website, is that possible? Yeah. So the best place to go would be asiaheartbeat.com. And uh, the website, I think, is in work and in process of uh, upgrading. And as it's transitioned to a little more of an educational focus, um, so, but if you go there, you can, you know, just kind of see over the years, the vision of the ministry as a whole, and, you know, even seeing pictures of the, of children and the work that's been done there. Um, as far as all the other, uh, media platforms, um, Bob, you know, this, I teach in a non-technological school, come on. Um, no, but, uh, you know, there are some other avenues, but that's probably the, the best one to go to. Okay. And then even there's email in there. You can email through stuff and donation places. I was going to say, if people want to donate, yep. they could donate. There's, a, the there's a tab right on there that well. talks about donation. And if it's, you can always earmark it for education or if it's just for the ministry as a whole, you can just, um, just go ahead and donate that way as well. What if somebody says, I just feel like I, I could go and help next summer um, in in this whole education aspect and, and I'd like to volunteer. Is it, Are we ramped up to uh, do that or is that still maybe possibly a future uh, possibility? 
No, I think that that's definitely a possibility. Just know if you go this summer, you might be uh, joined by my two eldest children. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, um, absolutely. And I can share my email, um, which would probably be the best avenue to sure, do that. Go would for be, it. You can do it, it right now. MattFaithPerkins at gmail.com. Say it again. So MattFaithPerkins, M-A-T-T-F-A-I-T-H. Perkins, P-E-R-K-I-N-S at gmail.com. And that's probably just the best as far as the tri- recent um, opportunities to be able to join us. Agreed. Well, Matt and Bentley, I just want to say once again, as we started, thank you for carving out uh, time out of your schedules. Uh, I have been even more fascinated and more inspired uh, by hearing the good things that are happening over in as the taxi driver described perhaps one of the darker countries uh, on this planet and uh, so thanks again thank you bob thank you bob well dad i'm jealous they sound like really neat guys that you got to talk to and i really enjoyed hearing their heartbeats as to why they do what they do Um, i think what really stood out to me was that they come in with a very humble heart, mm-hmm. not under, not coming and saying, hey, I know everything and this is how we should do it and let's do it the Western way or whatever, or even my way. Uh, they really come in supporting and encouraging the locals that are already doing amazing things on the ground. And I think that's important because there's a lot of amazing things happening and we don't need to be in competition with one another of let's see who can outdo the generosity or the goodwill that's happening in a country or or a community but if there's things that are happening and you have a heartbeat to be involved in some way then sometimes just an encouraging word or support is big enough. And that's what a lot of people are looking for. I think about the gentleman who took over the music business and he said, okay, I think it was Dr. Bentley. I have it for four to six months. I'm good. And Dr. Bentley goes, okay, four to six months. He goes, yeah, you've told me all the things that I am doing well, and you really have encouraged me and you're showing me that there's more amazing things to come. And so those words (laughs) can can continue and help me through the next six months. And I think of that in my own life, that I think just anyone in our community, an encouraging word would go far. And that sometimes that can be just the life source that we need to sustain us for the next couple weeks or the next month. And so I really think it's neat that that's what they're doing uh, on the ground and I um, have a quote, obviously, Moy Moy Market is near and dear to my heart and a big um, part of my life. But we try to post quotes uh, once every, well, I would say three times a week. And just to help inspire, if you're needing that inspiration or you're needing that positivity or that encouragement, uh, man, I'd love to be able to do that face-to-face over a cup of coffee. <laughs> I can't be at multiple places at once, but we do try to do so on our social media. And the uh, post that we did a few days ago says, uh, we have a responsibility to care for one another. And uh, I think that is for everyone. You know, and one of the things that bless me is I think of 
all the multiple things that this podcast has accomplished already and can accomplish in the future. One of those in my top 10, and I, Kelsey, I'm sure you, you and I share many of the same things. This one might be a, a little different than, than one you might share with me, but is, is that is to encourage people who already are so busy that they think they couldn't possibly do another thing to think, yeah, I, I really could probably. And, uh, and I think that Bentley and Matt are perfect examples of that. And uh, especially Bentley. I mean, we all know how busy physicians are. And on top of that, this physician drives, I think it's like 120 miles one way to Fort Morgan from Denver uh, to, for his job and then back. And uh, so he's got the drive and then another business and he's a, he's a father and he's a husband like everything else. And, uh, and yet he found not only the time, but the energy and the continual drive to go to Myanmar regularly um, to, to continue to make a difference. And, and I think for listeners who are think, you know, when you guys get to the point of saying, I hope it was an inspiration. I hope these ordinary people doing extraordinary differences inspire you today. You said, yes, they have, but I'm so busy. I could never do anything similar until you heard today's and you thought, well, maybe I can. Well, another quote I'll probably end with, it says, we cannot become what we want by remaining what we are. Ah, good. And uh, so anyways, I leave that to you, listener, as uh, we believe that everyone has the capability to be altruistic using their time, their resources, or their finances to better an individual, a community, or the planet. So we encourage you, we know you got it in you, to keep dreaming big, to keep walking through those open doors, to let the bar go uh, when life feels like it's out of control and you're too busy and you can't figure out how you can even create time to make a difference. Let the bar go and just watch as your life maybe stabilizes where you can start saying, oh, there's an open door there, there's an opportunity there. And uh, just stop controlling and just look for different ways that you can help people this week. Uh, Happy New Year, by the way, if you are listening chronologically. We hope that this new decade is a fantastic decade for you. We want to hear from you. So please find us in the show notes. We are uh, on social media. You can connect with my dad, Bob Walaszewski. You can connect with myself, Kelsey Walaszewski. Um, obviously our sponsor today is Moy Moy Market, and we would love for you to check out the one-stop shop for products with purpose. If you don't have the time, you don't have the resources, but you do have the money and you want to make a difference in other people's lives, then we encourage you to shop accordingly. So all the products that we have on Moy Moy Market do make a difference in people's lives. And you can listen to more of the podcast, the last 11 that we've done so far that do share the stories behind some of the products that we have at Moy Moy Market. So again, thank you for tuning in and listening again to the Talking Story Podcast. We will see you next Monday. Aloha. Thanks for joining us today on the Talking Story Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged and inspired. Be sure to visit our show notes for more information and find us on social media at the Talking Story Podcast. Your hosts, Bob and Kelsey, want to hear from you. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave a review. Oh, and big mahalo to our sponsor of today's podcast, Moy Moy Market, a one-stop shop to purchase products with purpose. We truly believe you have it in you to change the world too and to make an amazing difference in the lives of others.